Welcome to Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message. Which is a perfect segue to my message. Are you ready? Are you guys ready? We're talking about instruments of change, and I, and, and I know every week I say this is the best one, and I'm telling you, everyone is the best one. But I'm telling you, instruments of change are pillars that have grounded me in my walk with God to ensure, watch this, that I don't backslide. I'm not trying to be prideful, but it's normal for, let me say this slow, it's normal for you in the kingdom to get saved and never backslide. I think we, we have uh, uh, adopted a lie that, you know, I'm going to have a couple backsliding episodes and then I'll get right with God. That's not God's will for your life. Getting saved and then backsliding a couple times and then praise God that you eventually come back, that is not God's will for your life. And some of the pillars that I've been speaking on, on prayer and the word, today I'm telling you, you look at me as your pastor, I would not be here if it wasn't for this third pillar. You know what this third pillar is? The need, I'm going to buckle your sheep, it's going to be simple but it's deep because statistics say that 80 or 70% of Christians are not in this reality. And this is this. Is this. The need... For consistent discipleship in your life. This whole theme, I even talked to John. Everybody is talking about the theme. If we just make Sunday morning expression, all the eggs in a basket, as good as Sunday morning is, the only expression of your Christianity, you will cap out in your Christianity. So I'm going to challenge you today. The third instrument of change that I'm going to challenge you this morning is on the need for biblical discipleship. I'm going to explain what discipleship is. Because some of you are satisfied coming to a church, sitting in chair, hearing the word, and come out. But you will not grow to your full potential unless you are discipled and you're discipling others. Matthew 28. Good to see my friend Harvest there. I love you, Harvest. Verse 18. Are you ready? I said, are you ready? You guys need to be excited now. Matthew 28, verse 18. And G- very popular form of scripture. And every time we, 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 we quote this scripture, we always think about evangelism. Which is true. When we say the Great Commission, what do we think about, guys? Come on, let's be honest. Evangelism, outreach, hey, Great Commission, right? But Jesus never said go and make converts. He, we, we need to make converts, but more than converts, he said something specific. Look what he says here. Right before he ascended to heaven, Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go therefore and make disciples. Come on, say that with me. Say make disciples. Notice they didn't say only for the spiritual people make disciples, only for the pastors make disciples, only for those who are mature make disciples. He said, every believer, go everywhere and make disciples. That got no amens. It's all right. Baptizing them in the name of the Father. We're going to need some baptism today. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Hear me now. Hear me now. Most People in the body of Christ have their expression on a Sunday morning celebration or some good Christian events. And we need that. We need Christian events to to have togetherness. We need this celebration of Sunday morning experience. But I'm here to tell you that truly the, the, the kind of definition of Sunday morning expression is a celebration of what's been already happening throughout the week. It's a celebration of your victory, of your growth, of your maturity that's happening all week. But if you put all your eggs into Sunday morning experience, if you only do that 
for Sunday morning only, what's going to happen is that you're going to be greatly disappointed and you're going to cap your growth in, your, in, in the Lord. And then it's going to put all the pressure on the pastor and the worship leaders to hit a home run every time because you're not giving anything yourself all week. So now you're coming in and saying, that better be good because I'm about to backslide if the pastor don't preach real good today. Or the worship is not good today. I need something. But if all you give yourself is two hours worth of God and not discipleship in, 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 in a small, intimate setting throughout the week or have someone that's mentoring you, I'm telling you, you are missing fruitfulness. And I look around the room and I can lovingly say that some of you guys have either hardly ever been discipled or you haven't even considered of discipling anybody else. And I'm here to tell you that the, the majority of the body of Christ, let me just rephrase, the majority of ministries in the, in, in, in the United States, if you look at them, they have forgotten about discipleship. They have forgotten, listen, that we have the lights, we have the programs, we have the great things. But we, the two things that usually miss out in a lot of churches because of the excitement is prayer and discipleship. And yet those are instruments of change that will guide you and will cause you not to backslide. You have to understand this. Long-lasting growth, say growth, and maturity has to be done intentionally on your part for you to seek out someone that's mature in the Lord to mentor you, disciple you, or for you to be a part of a discipleship reality of a small group setting, one-on-one, or, or, or things of that nature, so that you and I could grow exponentially. Can I hear an amen? So what is discipleship? You're going to see it on the screen. <laughs> Good. Zach. Zach was kind of like, Whoa. What is discipleship? Discipleship is what? Oh, this is so good. I wrote this down for you to write. Is the process. Say process. Not quick fix. Not microwave. We live in a microwave society and we say, you know what? We nuke me now, God. Shape me into Jesus right now. And all I want to look like Jesus is to just come on Sunday morning and don't bother me and that's it. No. Discipleship is the process. Is a work in progress of building Christ-like character in our lives. I'm going to say that again. Discipleship is the process. It sometimes takes 10 years, 15 years. It's an ongoing thing. But it's you and I being intentional to position ourselves to be discipled in a small group setting, to have other uh, people pouring into us, other godly friends. Don't even tell me to talk to you about that. I'm going to talk about that a little bit in the the service. But discipleship is the process of, of building godly character. And you and I watch this. And it's also the process of you building godly character in other people's lives. Can I just be, you guys don't mind me if I'm, I'm real. If you don't mind, I'm still going to say it anyways. <laughs> Some of us have so much knowledge from other churches that we become spiritually fat because we retain all our knowledge and all of our experience from all these other ministries, and we are not pouring out and giving out to anybody. We're just feed me, feed me, feed me, and we become spiritually obese with knowledge. Amen? Let's make sure we don't... Uh, put it too loud, guys. It's, I like the how it does what was before. We're, we get spiritually obese with knowledge, and you know what happens? You will die. You won't grow because the Dead Sea is called the Dead Sea because it has a lot of rivers and tributaries feeding it, and it's not giving anything out. That's why it's called the Dead Sea, not because someone got a, a fancy name for it. The Dead Sea is called the Dead Sea is because it has a lot of rivers feeding it, and the Dead Sea itself is not giving anything out. And so 
Discipleship is a process of character building in Christ. Like it's a process. Say process. Now, what is a disciple? A disciple is a pupil. It's a learner. It's a teacher. One who follows. I'm reading uh, the definition of disciple. A person's teaching completely and fully. An imitator of the teacher. A disciple is an imitator of the teacher. Do you know that the word Christian is only uh, mentioned in the Bible about three times? Christian. The rest of the times to describe a follower of Christ is disciple. Only three times in the New Testament is the word Christian in Antioch and, uh, and, and a few other places because they were trying to identify them as almost a nation, the Christians, Christians, right? But the rest were disciples, and disciples are those who get discipled. Disciples are those who are in a place where they grow maturely in the Lord and the goal of discipleship. Here it is. The goal of discipleship is that the process makes you look more like Jesus. Oh, praise God. The goal of discipleship is Christ-likeness. That means that through time and through patience that you build your character. Discipleship is all about character, not about your, just your gifts and not about all these other things. The greatest thing that God could do in your life, my friends, is not how well you could preach or how big your ministry is or how much money you have. is that of character because if you don't have character and you have everything else, everything else will crumble. Because the weight of your success, you won't be able to handle it if you don't have character. And character is built by intentional discipleship. Discipleship is not easy sometimes because it allows people to get in your face and, and, and work out those issues in your heart. It's you being intentional but saying, you know what, I'm going to open up and be vulnerable about my issues so that I can be free from this. It, it's easy to hide on Sunday morning. Because we're here for two hours, and there's no intimate setting. So you hear a good word, but you can't deal with real issues at times. You have to be able to get in settings to ask questions. And discipleship is a pillar for me that if I didn't have it, you would not see me here today. I would not be who I am. Luke chapter 6, look what Jesus says. In chapter 6 or 40 in the NLT, this is awesome. Look at what it says. Students, Jesus says, are not greater than their teacher. But the, stu oh my God, the student Say, fully trained. Who is fully trained will become like the teacher. Now, the part that I want you to highlight in your Bibles is fully trained. The student who is fully trained will become like the teacher. You know what fully trained is in our language? Getting through a reality of discipleship. Train, fully trained does not come only on Sunday morning. Fully trained comes in a home, in a coffee shop, with a mentor, with a spiritual father. Come on, somebody. With a spiritual mother, with someone that cares for you, that took time and said, let me explain to you a little bit deeper and that you could explain to me what's really going on instead of having a mask at church and you're dying on the inside. Discipleship allows you to grow exponentially. If you don't have discipleship in your life, you are missing it. And I want to just bust your bubble for a quick second. It's not a calling. It's a command. Well, Pastor George, I'm not called to that. You're right. You're, you're, you're commanded to do that. He said, go make disciples, not if you're called. <laughs> oh. He is saying, look, if you're called, go make disciples. He goes, no. Every one of the people that get saved must make disciples. That, let that sink in for a little bit. How many of you are making disciples? 
I'm burning with this. You know why? Because there's a lot of people, and I'm going to share with you, that fall off because of lack of discipleship. They fall off with offense. They fall off with bitterness. They fall off, and they come to church, and they get saved, and they're flickering flame. They come for a short while, and because there's no discipleship, they fade away. They fade away. Look, not only that, <laughs> Luke chapter, Luke chapter, um, I'm having two notes here because there's no Wi-Fi today. Luke chapter 6, verse 46, in the, in the New King James. Now, this is not a scripture that I gave Zach. Just six verses down the road. This is another gangster scripture. Jesus, six verses later, you know what he says? Why do you call me Lord and don't do the things that I say? <laughs> He's like, yeah, you call me Lord. You call me Lord. That's the Sunday morning Christian. Sunday morning Christian, Jesus, you're good. You're Lord. He goes, no, you, you, you love me, but you call me Lord, but you're not doing what I say. You're not, you're not, you're not tithing. You're, you're not living holy. You're just doing what you want, but you're coming on Sunday morning. That is not the expression of a vibrant Christian walk. He said, why do you call me Lord and don't do what I say? As a matter of fact, in another scripture in John chapter 15, verse 8, one of the highest goals of the disciple, watch this, one of the highest goals of a disciple according to Jesus. I'm going to quiz you. What is one of Okay, he already, he already spoiled it for me. <laughs> Put it up on the screen before I said anything. Come on, it's all right. Is I uh, bear much fruit, Pastor George? <laughs> I'm like, no. Watch this. The highest goal of a disciple is to bear much fruit. Watch. He says, he says Jesus says, if you bear much fruit, then you'll be my disciple. He's just not going to be a, father, a Christian. Now, what is bearing fruit? Is it like bananas and oranges and pineapples? No. You know what bearing fruit is? No, this is serious. Watch this. Physical evidence of Christ-likeness that could be seen in your life. That means people, listen, when you go pick a tree, a fruit from a tree, you could see that fruit. The reason why fruit exists is for you, but it's for other people. A tree doesn't look, eat its own fruit when no one's looking. Like, <laughs> the whole purpose for fruit bearing is for other people to benefit from it. Fruit, when Jesus says, when Jesus said fruit, that, that you will be my disciple, says so that you will be my disciple. This is how my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. What is bearing much fruit? Does it mean perfection? It means the fact that people can see Christ-likeness in you physically. Like they look at you and say, you know what, I see humility in that, in that person. I need a little bit of that. You know what, I see a little bit of joy in there. I, don't, I need joy. This is a good joy. I need a little bit of wisdom. More of this is so good. You know what? Fruit is seen by people. So when Jesus says, this is how you glorify my, my father that you bear much fruit, it's talking about Christ-likeness. Here's a clue. And you get Christ-likeness through the process of discipleship. That was a good word right there. You get fruit by discipleship, by, by, by being in a close quarter intimate setting where you could deal with real issues and not be fake. And you can deal with these things in the spiritual realm that will help you grow. Listen, discipleship grows the ministry and the church and grows the person like the cells in your body grow the body. Because if you don't have those multiplication factor, all you'll do is just be an exciting wonder, a, a, a shooting star. But if you don't have discipleship, I'm telling you right now, you will be like this drama. That you, 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 you look at it for a good while, and because you have no root and you have no discipleship, the enemy will come and destroy you. 
And you know what? Here's the thing. I want you to see this. When you have discipleship in your life, please hear me now. The flame of the fire of God in your heart, watch this, will burn brighter and will burn longer. I'm going to say that again. When you have, when you are part of disciple, whatever that means, discipleship in your life, it will burn brighter, the flame, and it will burn longer. You will not be a flickering flame. Right? Because I am a product of discipleship. The discipleship comes in many ways. It comes in one-on-one. It comes in close quarters. It comes in the classroom. It comes in a small group setting. Uh, years ago when I first got saved, it was Waldemar and Madeline to help me and others. Not just them, but others that helped pour me into life because I was this kid from Miami that got saved. And then two, three years later, I needed my character to be right. See, you have to understand, when you get saved, your mind doesn't automatically get saved at that same time. You have to renew your mind. You still have these thoughts and you still have these actions. So, so you get saved, but then discipleship renews your mind and your character. And watch this, lovingly brings correction. You don't want to hear that. No, you don't want to hear that. See, in the church, it's like everybody's there. So, but in, in a discipleship setting, somebody that loves you enough could bring correction in you. And you won't get offended because you know that correction is going to bring fruit in your life. I will not be here if it wasn't for the many corrections I've received by the Lord and through people, through discipleship. Um, and you know what? It just exposed, exposed my pride. Who are you? Well, who are you? You're, you? I'm being prideful because of the fact that the Lord wanted to change my character. And character building comes through discipleship. Every one of you in here, you need to learn how to get discipled, get your pride out the way, and get into a place where somebody is doing life with you. And here, God forbid, because some of you guys are too spiritually deep for this, and even pours into you. Or you pour into other people in an intentional way, intentional way. And I love what John and Christina are doing. They're very intentional about pursuing and discipling the youth. That was the success of my ministry, the success for me. Look, look at real quick in, in Acts chapter 2. Are you getting something? I'm going to get really good in just a minute. Acts chapter 2, and I want you to look at. Acts chapter 2, verse 41. Oh, this is so good. I'm going to tell you some things here that's going to be really good. And just uh, hang with me for the next 20 minutes because it's going to be really good. Acts chapter 2, verse 41. Say discipleship is needed in my life. Look at verse 41. Say amen when you're there. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day 3,000 souls were added to them. I'll give you a foreshadow. I'll give you a clue. The Lord can't add to a church if there's not a net in place. What good is it for us if the Lord would say, you know what, tomorrow I'm going to give you 5,000 people. If we don't have a net in place that brings these fish that are broken, messed up, that have no church protocol, no church language, do you think they're going to magically just know church protocol? You know, do you think they're magically going to know how to dress right? Do you think they're going to magically know church language? No, discipleship will help them. But if all we do, watch this now, I may offend some people, if all we do is catch fish and don't disciple, we're missing the command. He said, make converts, because you can't, you can't make disciples without making converts, but you have to make converts and make disciples. And all of us need to get into a place, by the way, I hear this from the Lord, don't wait for someone to invite you to be a part of a discipleship reality. If you really want something, you go after it. Don't say, well, it's, no one's calling me. No. Find out what's involved. Find out who you can connect with. Find out some of the connect groups and say, you know what? I want to sit and I need some fellowship in my life. 
I need some people in my life. I need some discipleship in my life. Can I hear an amen? This is needed. And it says, watch this. Look at, the, look at the verses. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles. This is the early church. Doctrine and what? Fellowship, breaking of bread, and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all. This is community. And anyone who had need, so continually... This is going to bring conviction to some of you. Continuing daily. I'm not saying you have to do it daily, but we complain for even coming to church once a week. With one accord in the temple and breaking bread, watch this, and from house to house. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church. See that? Added to the church. Because he see daily those who are getting saved. Why was he added to the church? Because there was a process of discipleship in place. He knew that the people that get saved needed to be cleaned up. How many are fishermen here? How many fish? How many have fished before? I, I don't, I could imagine. I could. All right. Do you just catch the fish and just, unless you're really, maybe, I'm, maybe I shouldn't ask this question. But do you catch a fish and immediately when you catch a fish, just put it in, in, the, uh, in the oven? No. What do you got to do? It's, ne- it's messy. What do you got to do? You got to cut it open. You got to gut it. And you got to clean it. The problem is that everybody wants the spiritual food, but they don't want the, the cleaning process. And the cleaning process is nasty sometimes. It's dirty. We don't want to get there. But you have to clean the fish before you cook it or else you could have poison in yourself. You know what? There's a mixture of church services uh, or whatever big gatherings, and then you have to be able to have the fish cleansed. And some of you, that fish is you. You got to get spiritually gutted. And the process doesn't feel good. But let me tell you, your spirit's going to say, I need this. I need this. I need this. Discipleship. Can I just tell you what discipleship does? Already? Buckle your seatbelts. It helps you with your bad attitudes. With your crankiness. Because you have someone to talk to. And then someone that loves you say, hey, here's a, here's a free thing that's not in my notes. Ready? The reason why you could, you could bring, uh, that I could bring correction to somebody, I had a spiritual son years ago says, you know why I could, I could receive your corrections? He actually called it rebukes. I didn't like that word, you know, like, you know why? I don't like rebukes. It's just so, I don't know. It's like, I don't know. It's just bad to me. It's not bad, but it just sounds bad. He says, the reason why I accept your correction is because you've made deposits in my life. And watch this. You've built relationship with me. When you build relationship with someone, you could have a conversation with them in a discipleship setting and say, hey, how you doing? That's good. Hey, listen to you. How's your walk with God doing? That's great. Okay, your walk is all good. Hey, I think you need to work on this. And you know what? Because they know that you've built relationship with you, they they could take that correction in stride and they won't get offended and you will bear fruit. As a matter of fact, in John 15, you know the way that earlier, the way that they say bear fruit is when you prune them. And prune them comes sometimes through discipleship. Can I hear an amen? Can I hear an amen? This is a good word. This is a good word. One of the best things in my life came out of discipleship. Now I want you to look on the screen because it's going to, I'm going to give you some tools. Are you, are you ready? I want no one to get offended at this message because of the fact that you, you fit in whatever category. If the shoe fits, wear it. But I'm telling you, we need discipleship. And I'm going to mo- lovingly motivate you. Some of you. You feel disqualified, but you also need to disciple others. You do. 
It's not PG's command, it's the Lord's command. What are you doing? It may look differently from you to me, but you need to actively look to disciple. Now, the benefits, it's going to be up on your screen, of discipleship is that it provides key essentials that we all need in our daily lives. This is key. Discipleship provides key essentials. Say key essentials. That everyone, not just a Christian, that everyone, even a worldly person needs in their life. Are you ready? Here are the key essentials. Not in any order. Number one, the first key essential of, of it is relationship and fellowship with others. I was waiting for a better amen to that, but that's okay. The first benefit that discipleship brings to you and I is fellowship and relationship with others, which is community. Everyone's talking about community. I want community. I want community. And, and thank God RCC now is known for a place of community. But let me tell you something. One of my favorite verses is, is this. If a man who isolates himself rages against all wise counsel, if you are just, this, please, put a death to loner Christianity. It's time for you and I to admit, I know you're strong, I know you're good, but that we need each other. Listen, this was big for me. The, the, this, the discipleship involves meaningful fellowship, not just with other believers, but meaningful fellowship and, and relationship with the person you're mentoring, and the person you're discipling. Not just, I am the teacher, you're the pupil, you listen to me. No, flip hamburgers with them. Have coffee with them. When, uh, here's a little secret. Parents, here's a secret too for, for discipleship your kids. Develop relationship with them and then your rebuke and correction will be much greater. Because they will, will, won't see you as the rebuker. They'll see you as the father, the mother that loves them and that's why they're correcting them. Can I hear an amen? Develop a relationship with them. Care for the person. And this is a very key aspect for me. When I was growing up in the Lord, if I didn't have Christian friends, relationship, Christian friends is important. Through a discipleship setting, a small group setting that I was a part of, I would have backslidden and nobody would have even known. If I didn't have, if I didn't have friends, when I first got saved, my friends and my family, some of them did not know the radical change that happened. And so I had a lot of misunderstandings. But you know what community did for me in those areas in the small group setting? It ensured that my battles were not being battled by myself and by myself uh, alone. It ensured that every time I had a struggle, I had a band of brothers that would die for me. And they would say, you know what? We, we are here for you and we're going to pray for you. Can I just say something really deep? This is true. I want you to hear this. I want everyone to hear this. According to a popular Christian statistical magazine that I read, I'm going to read it. This magazine followed 100 new converts. They followed them, okay? And the, this magazine said that the new converts that got saved, that if, out of the 100 new converts, if that, the, that some of them that had two, made two friends or less, two friends or less in the church because they didn't have discipleship, 35 of those new converts backslid and fell off the church in the first six months. 35 of the new converts in the first six months fell off from church, didn't want to go back to church, didn't want anything to do with God because they didn't make connection with godly people. The next statistic was out of those 100 new converts, if they made three to six friends through discipleship, through close quarter intimate encounters. If they didn't make, if they made three to six friends, the statistic dropped. 15 of those new converts backslid, but it went from 30 something to 15. 
Now watch this. According to statistics, if a new, those new converts, if they made seven or more godly friends in their church, hear me. If they made seven or more connections, connections with people in a close quarter discipleship setting, you know how many people fell away from the Lord? Zero. I'm not exaggerating. I'm not doing this just to get good preaching material. Statistics say if you have godly friendships through a small uh, uh, setting, intimate setting of, a, of, of, of discipleship, your chances of backsliding are zero almost. Why? Because now you have different avenues of encouragement and word into your life. We need that. Some people are crying on the inside because you don't have that. And some of you don't do that because you, can I just be honest? Again, you're not going to throw the towel at me. Because you don't want people to see you for how you truly are. You don't want people to, 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 to misinterpret your spiritual reputation that you have it all together. And you don't want to open up to people. And that's why you choose not to have godly friends in your life because you don't want to become vulnerable. Let me just keep on going here. The second thing that discipleship, benefit of discipleship brings is accountability. Woo! The second major thing that discipleship reality brings you and I, hear me now, is accountability. I'm going to read the Webster's Dictionary of Accountability. Are you ready? So don't throw apples at PG. Throw it at Webster's Dictionary. Here's what it says. I'm reading word for word. Are you ready? It's not going to be on the screen, so you have to listen. Webster's Dictionary defines accountability as the reality or requirement to explain your actions or decisions to someone else. Woo! Let me read that again because somebody looked at me real bad. The reality or requirement to explain your actions or decisions to someone else. Hmm. It is impossible for the senior pastor and the senior leadership to know when every one of you is missing on Sunday morning. It's impossible for me to know that. The only way that I can know that is that you have accountability in your life with other leaders in the church and other friends in the church. Because listen, when I was, uh, and I'm looking at my friend Keith here, we, he knows what I'm talking about. I was in a mega church, which I love, years ago when I was saved. But let me tell you, I could have backslidden for three months and nobody would have known that I was gone because I was in a big mega church if it wasn't for the band of brothers that I had. Because when you miss two or three weeks on Sunday, there's no way the Pastor George can know everybody. But guess what? If you're in a small group setting and you're with five people, you bet, you, you bet your bottom dollar that that leader is going to say, hey, I haven't seen this person in about six weeks or five weeks. Let me give them a call. And then you know what happens? You give them a call and you find out that they're depressed, that they're going through something, and you help bring them back up to victory. Yeah. Accountability means, see, let me just say this. Accountability is not control or manipulation. It could be if you do it the wrong way. Accountability is actually love. Can I, just, can I look at me. I used to say this, and I, I swore I'll never say it behind the pulpit, but I guess I will right now. Church leadership is, and I'm not going to say how I really wanted to say it in the, in the private. They're, they're darned if they do and darned if they don't. In other words, in other words, I'm talking about discipleship. If you, if you call somebody, 
that hasn't been going to church for three weeks and you don't have a relationship with them and you call them, hey, I haven't seen you. See, you're just judging me. I'm not, I'm not backsliding. Why are you doing that? I mean, I just have, I've been on vacation. Okay, calm down. Sorry. And if you don't call them, see, the church doesn't love me. They don't, they don't call me. Right? See, they don't love me. They don't call me. I, we can't win. You know why? Because you have no relationship. You have to get to a place where lovingly say, girl, what's going on with you? There's something messing. Lately, there's something wrong with you, boy. There's something. Open up. And you know what? You open up to the people that you trust, and it will keep you accountable to your actions. Accountability will save your life because some of you, without accountability, you're about to make a foolish decision. Some of you, if you are not accountable and someone doesn't love you enough to tell you what you need to hear rather than what you want to hear, you're going to do something that you're going to regret and you're like, oh, the damage has already been done. Allow people to speak into your life. Don't rebel. Don't kick. Don't fight. Allow it. It's for your good. Get into a place of small group. Get with people. Can I hear an amen? I need the worship team to come up here. I'm going to close in about 10 minutes. Give me a couple more minutes because this is so good. Is this good? Number three, the benefit, the third benefit that, it, that discipleship brings. It brings, number one, fellowship and community. Number two, accountability. Number three, put it up there, personal ministry and encouragement. Personal, say personal, ministry and encouragement. Say personal, ministry and encouragement. These are the things that require hands-on prayers for you. Hands-on prayers for you personally. I can't pray for you every single Sunday, but guess what? When you're in a small group setting, you get personal prayer. You get hands-on ministry for your family. You get it in a consistent way instead of once every blue moon when the pastor just feels from the Lord to call you out. No. When you're intentional about discipleship, you get hands-on ministry, personal. This is so important. And there's people that you need to open up to because you get healed by opening up. Can I hear an amen? amen? Instead of just a mass setting, there's things that you have to talk about in small settings. Listen, you know what happens in a big setting? You can't ask questions. While I'm preaching, you can't say, Pastor George, uh, I really don't understand what you're saying. I'm going to say, put your hand down right now. Thank you, sir. It's not that I'm being rude. It's that it's not the right environment to ask questions. It's a one-way thing when I'm preaching. But when you're in a small group setting or when you're discipleship, there's a dialogue going on. Like, I don't understand this. You know, let me, let's open the word. Let's pray together to see if we can bring understanding. Discipleship is so important. Can I hear an amen? And fourthly, I'm almost done. Just, this is good, so I need to unpack everything to you. Because I want to stir you to be either intentional about getting discipled or and, 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 and uh, get into that reality or that you start discipling others. The fourth one, look at this. Put it up there, Zach. Training and mentoring. For life or for leadership, not just in the church, for leadership in an organization, in a business. Do you know what discipleship does to you? It trains you and mentors other people to be successful in their life. Hello? Just like my brother Jesse said something, he said something without knowing that's powerful because it's something that's spiritual. Not only is America leading in fatherlessness, America is leading in spiritual fatherlessness. There's no more spiritual mothers or spiritual fathers that say, you know what, I want to take some people and I want to pour my life into them. Watch. 
We become selfish as Christians because it's all about our problems. It's all about, we have no room to disciple anybody because we are, are, are so into our whatever it is, our ministry, our finances. Now watch, training and mentoring for leadership. I'm going to say some things real quick and then I'm, I'm, going, to, I'm going to share some last scriptures and we're, I'm, we're going to pray. Moses, every great man of God and every woman of God had a mentorship, sorry, had a discipleship reality in their lives that they poured into other people and they made them great. Moses mentored and discipled Joshua. And you know what happened because of that? Because Moses took his time to disciple and train Joshua, Joshua became one of the greatest conquerors the Bible has ever known. Have you ever read the book of Joshua? Every city the boy is conquering. AI, this, this uh, the, I mean, it's just one after the other he's conquering. Why? Because Mo, he saw Moses from a distance. And Moses would come in and he would disciple Joshua until he became the leader. How, how about Elisha and Elijah? Elijah mentored, discipled Elisha. And Elisha, and Elijah didn't even want it. He's like, oh, go. And Elisha's like, I'm not leaving you, I'm not leaving you because I want what's on your life. And here's what happened with Elisha. Look at me. Don't get distracted in the stage. Look at me. Elisha inherited a double portion of the anointing of the, of the Holy Spirit that was on Elijah because he followed him. And Elijah doesn't say it right there, but he, 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 he corrected him every now and then. He said, no, no, that's not how you prophesy, Elijah. You need to come over here and let me explain to you a better way to do it. Listen, that is glorious. As a matter of fact, can I just say something? The book of Hebrews says, if God loves you, he'll correct you. I said, if God loves you, we, we're, we're a, we've become illegitimate spiritual children because we want no one to correct us. It's a fact that God loves you. The Bible says no rebuke or correction is pleasant for the moment, but painful. He actually said, the writer of Hebrews actually said painful. He's, Nevertheless, afterwards it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who are trained by it. You know what trained is? Discipleship. Bro, I love you, man, but you've had a bad attitude. This day. I love you, man. Come on, let's get together and pray. See, if I said that to you on a Sunday morning, you'll leave the church. Brother, brother, so-and-so, why don't you stand up? I haven't seen you in church in a long time, brother. What's going on? All right, don't let that happen around, all right? Okay. All right, come back next week. You're like, I'm never coming back again. <laughs> but if you're in a close quarter with people that love you, and you know that their heart, when they love you and correct you, say, hey, that, bro, that's wrong, bro. What you're doing is wrong. I know we're cool right now. Let me pause and say, I just feel this from the Lord. I, I feel this from the Lord. Leaders, I want to say to some leaders, don't be so buddy-buddy with your people that you, that you don't have authority to correct and, and bring admonition. It's good to be friends. It's good. But there has to be a time. Parents, you know what I'm talking about. If, you're all, if all you are is buddy-buddy with your kids, praise God for the buddy-buddiness. But they need to know that there's a part of you that's going to say, look, I'm not your best friend right now. I'm your mom. I'm, I'm your dad. And what you're doing is wrong. And I love you. I feel the Holy Spirit. Some of you guys need to make sure that you balance relationship, relationship and, and loving correction so that they, they don't just see you as somebody like, oh, I could do whatever I want. I could act unholy around him even though he's a leader because he understands me. No, you're not. Not when true discipleship is present. Look at me. Boy, I wish I had more time. Barnabas. You know who he discipled? A crazy, roughneck dude named Saul of Tarsus, who was Paul, who was very egotistical and prideful because he was a Pharisee. He knew the law. And Barnabas, son of encouragement, helped disciple Paul. All Paul did was write two-thirds of the New Testament under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. 
because of training, because of discipleship. Jesus took 12 fishermen with foul mouths and messed up lives and jealousy because they're talking, who's the greatest? You're the greatest. I'm the greatest. You're the greatest. And Jesus is like, shut up. He who is greatest is least among you. He says, you know, I'm going I'm to exemplify greatness. How are you going to do that, uh, Pastor Jesus? It's like, I'm the son of God. I'm going to exemplify greatness. How? Because you said it? No, because I'm going to do it. What do you mean? Came down, started washing their feet. Jesus started washing their feet. This is good. You don't have. And all the disciples were freaking out like, God, what are you doing? Get up. You're the son of God. He goes, no, this is how you become great. You know what he was doing? Discipleship is not, let's turn to Matthew chapter 3, is watch what I do. I never preached a message like this in public. But I'm telling you, there's a great need for discipleship. Five more minutes. Jesus poured into 12 men, and 12 men shook the world and turned it upside down. Turn it upside down. Real quick, turn to Matthew chapter 4, uh, sorry, Mark chapter 4, and I'm, I'm, this is the last scripture. Mark chapter 4. According to biblical statistics, I said this in the pre-launch, but everything I did in the pre-launch was a precursor for what's happening now. I give you a little taste of what's going to happen. Listen to me. Biblical statistics, not church magazine statistics. Biblical statistics say that only 25% of people who hear the word from preachers or from the word of God, only 25% stick. That's an astounding statistic. You say, Pastor George, where is that statistic in the Bible? There is actually a statistic that doesn't say verbatim, but you have to do the math. In the gospel of Mark, Jesus explained a parable of the sower. And he said, the sower is the one who sows the word. And then he tossed the seed. Watch this. And everyone heard the word. Say everyone. Not just the spiritually people. The Bible says everyone heard the word. And watch what, this, what it says. Verse 13 onward. And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? Because the disciples are like, I don't know what you're saying. He's like, the sower sows the word. Watch this, guys. I'm almost done. And these are the ones by the wayside. Say wayside. This is why we need discipleship. All right? The word is sown. But when they hear, notice that all of them hear. By the way, look at me. Everyone in this room is part of four types of grounds. We're talking about here. Four spiritual grounds. You're either wayside, you're either the thorny ground, the stony ground, or your good ground. There's four grounds. That's it. Every one of you, no matter how spiritual you are, every one of us, including me, falls into one of these four grounds. Already? So here's the wayside ground. The word is sown. They hear Satan comes immediately. Boy, do I see that in church. You're crying. The seed of the word is coming. As soon as you get into the parking lot, you're already arguing fiercely with your spouse. The word is gone. Look at what the wayside ground is. Satan comes immediately. Say immediately. Takes away the what? See what the, the enemy is after? He's, he's after the word that's sown into you. Watch. That's one. The second. These likewise are the ones who are sown on stony ground. Say stony ground. When they hear the word, again, they heard the word, they immediately receive it with gladness, and they have no root in themselves, and they only endure for a time. Afterwards, watch this, because they have no root inside of them, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Do you see this? 
They all heard the word. They heard the word. It was in a mass setting. They heard the word once or they heard the word twice or they heard the word occasionally. They heard the word. And this type of ground, okay, they heard it, but then they had no root. Say root. All right, now watch. I'm almost done. These, the third one, are th ones that are sown among thorns. Say thorns. And the cares of this world, they hear the word, the cares of this world, this deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things enter and choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. But these are the ones who are sown on good ground. Those who hear the word, accept it. How many know that sometimes the word of God is not easy to accept with your fleshly nature? Are you trying to tell me, word of God, that I have to break up with this ungodly relationship because it's not pleasing you? Yes. So that means you have to accept that word for it to bear fruit. Now watch. I'm summing this up and then we're going to pray. How many feel the Holy Spirit? Four types of grounds. You are in one of them. Number one, wayside ground. The wayside ground are the people that hear the word and immediately the word escapes them. And they actually forget. A day later, uh, what did the pastor preach on? I, I don't know. But yet you were crying, you were saying amen. The wayside ground is a, is a ground that has no, that very shallow depth, has no discipleship in them. And they hear the word and immediately they forget everything because of, of things. The second type of ground is a stony ground. Say stony ground. These are the people that hear the word, watch this, but they give up easy. Why? Because they have, they have not allowed the word to take root long enough so that when tribulations and trials come, they're not rooted in discipleship and so they get offended and they hear the word and the Bible says they, get, they, they leave. I call these people having rocks in their soil. Does any, has anybody a gardener or anybody a, a, a farmer? farmer? Farmer or gardener? Lift up your hands. Okay. Wow. I thought there would be more. Okay. We're a bunch of urban, you know, church. Have you ever tried planting a seed on a soil that has a bunch of rocks in it? What's going to happen? Even though the soil is good, the rocks are going to stifle the growth of that seed. You know what the rocks are in us? Issues. Rocks are, rocks in our soil are emotional issues that we have. Our, our, our bad temper, our bad habits, our unresolved things, and they're rocks in our soil, and the seed can only go so far. Look, I'm not a gardener, but I know that if I try to plant a seed in a, in a bed full of rocks, it's not going to happen. That's why it's called stony ground. Look at the third ground, and I'm, I'm, I'm closing after this. The thorns. Say thorns. Some of you are thorn ground. Now, the Bible says they, they last for a while, actually, but the worldly temptations, I feel the Holy Spirit, the worldly desires, the entertainment starts slowly luring this Christian and it, the Bible says, chokes the word out and it becomes unfruitful. The only, so that means three seeds, three failures. The only one of those four seeds is good ground soil. The Bible says they hear it and accept it. Say accept it. What do you mean accept it, Pastor George? That means sometimes the word of God say forgive that person who hurt you. I don't want to do that. If you accept it, you bear fruit. Discipleship will help you make those decisions. I'm angry. I don't want to deal with it. As long as you're by yourself, it's just you and the devil and God. But when you're with a band of other people, it's going to help provoke you to let that thing out. I'm preaching better than you're saying amen. It's okay. In every church, and I'm closing with this, this is why we need discipleship. In every church, there's four M's. 
right? Put it up quickly as I say it. There's what I call the multitudes. The multitudes are the people that come for Easter and Christmas. That's it. You know that Jesus had the multitudes, right? He had the multitudes. They come for, for, for Christmas and they come for Easter just to show their face, but they don't tithe, they don't do anything. They're just Christians by title. Those are the, those type of people, they're not in a discipleship reality. This is why we need discipleship. The second M in every church is members. Now, now I'm not talking about just membership class. Is What members mean is, okay, they now start showing up to events, to fellowship activities. They may even give their tithe, but they're not really deeply involved. They're not allowing the, the, the close quarter relationships to build their faith. They're not allowing discipleship to mold them. These are members. And they, they get their, their, their title by, hey, I give. Now watch, the last two are, are, are a result of discipleship that we're going to pray. Are you ready? The third one is multipliers, the third M. Multipliers. What are multipliers? These are people that take everything from, that's given and they, they multiply it. They serve. They use their gifts. They help the local church with the, church, with the, the, the children's ministry, with the foyer, with the, with the stage. They multiply the things that are giving them because someone mentored them. Someone did. I just said the fourth one. Look at the fourth one mentors the highest m in the church is mentors these are people that pour their life into other people and pour their experiences so that other people could be leaders so that other people could be victorious in their walk with god that's what we need guys if every one of you were mentors this place will explode i know some of you are not there you need to be mentored but you need to search for it discipleship is not a calling it's a command and the Lord is commanding you and he's calling you today are you being discipled he's asking you a question are you in a place where you're intentionally saying I'm getting discipled tomorrow I'm going to look for a group I'm going to look for a band of sisters or a brother to keep me accountable if not I lovingly tell you you need to do that don't be loner Christianity anymore please I tell you this as your pastor don't, I understand personality I'm not talking about personality I'm not telling you to you have to be an extrovert no if you're introvert, stay introvert, but seek out discipleship. Seek out band. Seek out togetherness. Seek out fellowship. And then eventually have vision. Watch this. I'm going to close with this. Have vision that you could pour into to somebody, even if it's one-on-one -on -one in a coffee shop. Do it. I want everyone to stand up. This is good. Come on, this is good. How many give the Lord a big hand of praise for this? <clears throat> How many feel the Lord speak to you? Come on. How many are feeling the Lord speak to you? Lift up your hands. All right, everyone close your eyes right now. We're not going to have an altar call. I'm going to ask you to hold hands with somebody right now. I'm going to ask you to cry out for discipleship. Come on, I'm going to ask you right now. The, the, the band is going to play one song here. I'm going to ask you to begin to cry out. So, Lord, I want to be a part of a fellowship. I want to be, I don't want to be by myself. I don't want to live this life by myself. I, listen, listen, whatever it is that's causing you to be scared of fellowship, don't believe that lie anymore. Open up. There's people that love you. The, 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 there's people that are waiting to disciple you. There's people that are waiting to pour themselves to you. And some of you need to just be in, around so that you can have accountability in your life. Come on, begin to cry out for it. Come on, lift up your voice right now. Thank you for tuning into our podcast. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.